0: Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. We are going to get into the study and continue in the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to pick up in chapter 2, verse 12, after a time of prayer. Father, we do thank you once again for your word. Thank you for this opportunity to break the bread of your word with your people. And if there's somebody in here who is undecided, we pray, Father, that you would continue to tug at their hearts, Lord, and draw them to Jesus. And for your people, Lord, wherever they may be right now, whether online or in this room or wherever they are in life, whatever they're struggling with, or if they're not struggling with anything, Lord, we just pray your blessings upon them. We pray, Father, for help for those who need it. Lord, you know the unspoken requests. You know what people need before they even ask. So I'm asking right now that you would provide it and that people, Lord, will be in a better place, Father, when they leave this place. As far as emotionally, mentally, spiritually, even physically, Lord, that they will be in a better place, Father. So, Lord, I pray for a fresh filling of your spirit, and I pray to decrease and you increase, and may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, now in our previous lesson or study, we studied Hannah's second recorded prayer. And, of course, we found some spiritual nuggets, and we were challenged to set aside time in our prayer life to praise, adore, and acknowledge God's accomplishments, including his attributes, amongst other things. But in tonight's study, the focus is going to shift to the spiritual leadership during that time. And so we're going to start in, once again, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. And it says, Now the sons of Eli they were corrupt. They did not know or respect or care about the Lord. Now, the ancient Hebrew calls them the sons of Belial. Where it says corrupt, it is literally sons of Belial in the ancient Hebrew. And in fact, in the King James Version, that phrase is used. Once again, sons of Belial. And that phrase, sons of Belial, actually refers to worthless and wicked men. They were corrupt. The sons of Eli, by the way, are priests. Once again, they are corrupt. They are are worthless. heard somebody say scoundrels. And their names are Hophni and Phinehas, as you can see in the first chapter, if you wanted to go back there and check it out. But those are their names, and they were serving in the position of leadership as priests, but they did not have a relationship with the Lord. Serving in a spiritual position, supposed to be teaching the word, setting a godly example, but without a relationship with God. And we know that we can't lead the right way without a relationship with God. We, we can't lead the right way without a relationship with the leader. Because if you don't have a relationship with the leader, how can you follow the leader? And that's leader with the capital L speaking of the Lord. You see, as Christians, whether we're leaders or not within the church, we should be able to say the following, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. It says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. This is what the man of God, the apostle Paul said. The Holy Spirit breathed out his word, the inspired word, and he wrote it down. And, and he was following the Lord, and so he can say what we see here in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. But Hophni and Phinehas, they could not say this. They couldn't say, follow me as I follow the Lord, as I follow God. They didn't have a relationship with the leader. Unfortunately, some people in life do not have a good example to look up to. Or they would love somebody they can look up to. Someone who can show them what what Christ looks like. Or they can see it on the pages Of the Bible, they can read about him, his acts, and they can read his words, but some people don't see a real life example of what a believer looks like. People should be able to see Christ living through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus said that if you've seen him, then you've seen the Father. And we should be able to say the same thing as his disciples, as his followers. That, hey, if you've seen us, if you've seen the way we live our lives as we follow the Holy Spirit, of course, then you should see how Christ lived his life when he was on earth. But we can't do that on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. But it said in verse 13, And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant will come with a three-pronged flesh hook or a three-pronged meat fork. He would come with that in his hand while the meat, the meat of the sacrifice was still boiling. Then in verse 14, he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. And the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also, before they burn the fat, the priest's servant will come and say to the man who sacrificed, give meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, this is the man who was offering that sacrifice to the Lord, which was an act of worship. So if that man said to the servant of the priest, They should really burn the fat first. Then you may take as much as your heart desires. Then that priest servant would answer that man. No, but you must give it now. And if not, I will take it by force. Some real scoundrels. Worthless men. Sons of Belial. And so we see that these men, these these priests, Eli's sons. We see that they were fleecing or taking advantage of the people that, guess what? That they should have been helping. They should have been helping these people and yet they were harming them. And so how are we doing with this? How are we treating the worshipers of God? How are we treating the people that we should be loving on? The the people that we should be helping, how are we treating them? Are we being worthless to them? Are we being scoundrels to them? Are we being wicked towards them? Are we mistreated them? Have we mistreated them? And do we remember? Do we remember that that we're supposed to have a heart of service? Or is that something we have forgotten? You know, these are the words of Christ in Matthew 20, verses 25 and 26. It says, but Jesus called them to himself. So pause right there. That them are the disciples. Because James and John's mother, if you read early on in that chapter in Matthew 20, James and John's mother came to Jesus and they pretty much asked, asked for positions for their sons. Can one sit on your right hand? Can one sit on the left in your kingdom, Jesus? And Jesus got down to it and pretty much gave the answer. I, that's, that's not my place to give it. Whoever sits on my right or left, my father prepared a space for whoever that may be, but I, I can't say. And, and so those other 10 disciples caught wind of it. They caught a little bit of the context of Jesus' answer and they got upset with James and John. And so that's why Jesus called them to himself in Matthew 20, verse 25. And he said to them, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lorded over them. They're overbearing leaders or rulers. And those who are great, it says, exercise authority over them. And he says, yet it shall not be so among you. It shall not be that way in my kingdom. And my kingdom is not going to be upside down, but instead it's going to be, of course, right side up. You see, in the world, the leaders are overbearing rulers over the people. But amongst the people of God, those who are leaders, he says, It shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. So in God's kingdom, the way up is down. Humility. The servant is great in the sight of the Lord. See, but while the meat was still boiling in our lesson tonight, it says that the priest's servant will come and he will take all that the flesh hook will bring up of the sacrifice. And they weren't willing to wait for their portion, obviously. They just dug that three-pronged fork right in. And anything that came up, it was theirs. They took it by force. But the sad thing about that is they didn't really need to take anything by force. And they didn't need to do that because God had already established what portion of the offerings the priests were to get. He already established that in his word. Because according to the Old Testament law, with the exception of burnt offerings, the priests would be allowed portions of the sacrifices after they were offered to the Lord. But Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, the, these sons of Belial, these corrupt men, they, they took the meat that they wanted. They took what they wanted. They, didn't, they, they weren't satisfied with the portion God had set aside for them. They weren't willing to wait for it to be boiled. And done the way it's supposed to be. You see, some of us are the same way. We, we try to strong arm the blessings from God by forcing something to happen. Guess what? While God is still boiling the blessings. Oh, God is still working on it. He knows exactly when that blessing is going to fall out in time because he's already determined in eternity. When that blessing is going to fall out and meet us in time because we're in time. He's already worked it out. And there's some things that God wills to do through prayer. There's also some things God wills to do regardless of prayer. So God already worked it out. He worked these blessings out already, just like he already said uh, what offerings, what portion of the offerings these priests were to get. But yet and still, some of us don't want to wait. We don't want to wait until God is done boiling our blessings. And boiling, of course, I'm speaking metaphorically. Boiling, we're not willing to wait on God for those blessings to fall out into time. Oh, we want to strong arm it. And, and then we... We force ourselves to buy something that God isn't ready for us to have. And then it doesn't turn out the way we want it to. And we end up in debt and it gets repossessed, whatever the case may be. And we want to blame God. But it was our fault because we didn't wait for God. We want to strong arm those blessings like these sons of Belial, these these priests, these sons of Eli, who was the high priest. See, these men, they didn't care about worshiping God. They couldn't care less about worshiping the God of the Bible. All they cared about was what they could get. That's all they cared about. And there are some people today who are like this. They're, they're not realizing that, that you don't need all this stuff, that all you need is God. And if all you have is God, then that's all you need. Because if you need love, all you have to do is have a relationship with God and there's your love. Or if you need mercy, then who you need is the God of mercy. If you need grace, you need the God of grace. And so when you get God in your life, when you have a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, then you get everything else that comes with God. Or you want to spend eternity in heaven, then you have a relationship with the God. With the God who dwells in eternity. Who lived before time. He doesn't need time. He doesn't need space. He doesn't need us to live. Well, if you want life, then you, you get with the God of life. He has life in himself. And it's basic common sense. Life always comes from life. And so if you want spiritual life, then get a relationship with God through Jesus. See, some people, they rather have the blessings and ignore the blesser. And these men, they, they couldn't care less about worshiping him. They just were in it for themselves and taking advantage of the people who were worshiping God. But what is the root of these men's corruption? What is the root of it? We see it in, in verse 12. Scriptures clearly tell us that they did not know the Lord. They had no respect for the Lord. They had no regard for God. And because they had no regard for God, no respect for God, then guess what? They, they did not have any regard or respect for man. How can you have respect for his creation when you don't respect the creator? And so they had no regard for him. That's the root of their corruption. Corruption. They didn't know him. They had no love for God. Therefore, they did not have love for their fellow man. Turn with me to Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse 34. And it says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him and saying, teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments. Hang all the law and the prophets. So everything, every commandment that you read in the Old Testament, they depend on those two commandments. Because guess what? The Bible says thou shalt not steal. So if you refuse and you don't steal from your neighbor, then you're actually showing love for your neighbor. He said as well in Exodus chapter 20 to have no other God before him. And if you have no other God before him because you're loyal to him, then you're demonstrating your love for him. And so all of the commandments we see in the Old Testament, they hang on those two. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so, no, they did not have any regard for God. Therefore, they had no regard for man. They did not have any regard or love for God. Therefore, they, they didn't have any love for their fellow man as well. No love for their neighbor, no love for those who came to worship the Lord in Shiloh, which was the worship center during that time. And there is absolutely no way, no way we can do the second commandment, which is to love our neighbor as ourselves. There's no way if we can't do the first one. We can't love who we see if we don't love the one we can't see. Amen. Our creator, the heavenly father, There. Where some men, by the way, if you were paying attention to the lesson there, if you saw in verse 16 where it says, And if the man said to him, that is to the servant of the priests, if he said to him, they should really burn the fat first. And so there, there were some men there who were actually knowledgeable of the fact that the fat was supposed to be burned first because that's another thing they were doing. While it was still boiling, they stuck that three-pronged fork in and they were snatching up just whatever came up instead of waiting for their portion, but also before the fat was even burned. Guess what they were doing? They were still forcing their way to take what they wanted. But some men, they were... They were up on it. They they knew the word. They knew the procedure. And so they they told them that the fat needed to be burned first. But the servant of the high priest or the servant, not of the high priest, the servant of the priests refused to listen. Stuck his fork in there anyway and forced them to give whatever he wanted whatever he wanted. You see that fat during that Old Testament time it was it was considered the best part of the meat. And in fact Moses or the law of Moses required all the fat to be burned on that alt- altar as an offering to God. All of the fat was to be burned. They were not to eat blood, they were not to eat fat, but they were to burn it. And so they were out of line, they were out of order. But like some of these men who push back against the priest's servant, we, we need to know the word for ourselves as well. You See, they knew the procedure and they tried to share it with them, but they didn't listen. They still forced what they wanted. They took what they wanted. And so we need to know the word for ourselves as well. So we won't be taken advantage of. So we can spot false teachings. And so you should become so acquainted with the God of the Bible. You should be so acquainted with the word of God. That when you hear the false, it'll be so evident. It'll be so clear because you know what the real should sound like. You know what the real looks like. And so know the word for yourselves. Know why we worship the way we do for ourselves. You see, some of these men knew that even though these servants of the priests didn't listen. Know for yourselves, just like some of these men knew that, that it's always God first. God's portion was always given first. God should always get the best. He, he was supposed to get that fat. Burn it up as a sweet aroma, as a sweet smell and savor to the Lord, sweet smell to him. He should always get the first portion. Even with our time, we should give our time to God first. We spend time with the Lord first and then we give the time to people because if we spend enough time with the Lord and get to know him more. Give our devotions to him first. Then guess what? Other people will be blessed. Other people will be benefit from that time that we first gave to the Lord. As far as your devotion is concerned, before you become devoted to any person, to any job, be devoted to God first. In marriage, become Devoted to God first before you devote yourself to another person in marriage. God always should get the best because he gave us his best. Oh, he didn't give us any sinful man. Oh, he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, in the form of a sinless man. The God man came through 42 generations, took upon himself a human body. The eternal God, Jesus Christ, even was tempted and never gave in to that temptation. And he's a faithful high priest. He gave us the best gift of all, his only begotten son. And we should be able to give him our best as well. Our best will never match up to what he has given us in Jesus Christ. But yes, we can give him the best of our time. We can be devoted to him first before we're devoted to anyone else. Well, the the first thing that should happen when we get a blessing, when that prayer is answered before calling somebody else to tell them how blessed we are, we should be thanking God first. He should be getting the best. He should be getting the fat in our lives, so to speak. Therefore, It says, the sin of the young men, Hophni and Phinehas, in verse 17, it was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. They hated it. They had contempt. You see, many translations point out that the word men is actually referring to the young men, to the priests. Hophni and Phinehas, for example, in the New Living Translation, it says, so the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offering with contempt. Another version reads this way, it says, so the servant's sin was very severe in the presence of the Lord because the men treated the Lord's offering with contempt. So by their greed and selfishness, Hophni and Phinehas show contempt or a lack of respect for God's offering. And so what we see here in this study is that people came to the center of worship in in Shiloh. They came there to get closer to the Lord. They came there to worship God. But we saw that they were taken advantage of. Oh, I could imagine People were probably growing weary from this constant abuse every time they sacrifice to the Lord. and, And things like this are still going on, unfortunately, under the banner of Christianity. Some churches, people are coming to worship the Lord, to draw closer to the Lord, to grow in the Lord, only to be hurt by people who should have been helping them. And so these people, I can only imagine, are are probably growing weary. They're probably growing tired from this constant abuse. Every time I come to sacrifice to God, every time I come to give this offering, I make this travel all the way to Shiloh. And this is how I'm treated. Oh, I rush home from work. I hurry up and get out of my bed. I barely have time to brush my hair and comb my hair and... I barely have time to grab breakfast, and I go to that church, and I'm mistreated, disrespected. See, Hophni and Phinehas, these men, they would serve as hindrances to people who wanted a deeper fellowship with God through these offerings, through these sacrifices. And so to that, metaphorically, I would say that they served as a repellent. They, they served in a way that drove people away from the Lord. People who were coming to get closer to God and to have a deeper walk with him, they, they served as a repellent. And, and speaking of repellents, I, I remember when I was coaching on one of my son's football team. And I remember it, it was still hot even at 6 p.m., But it was so cool because soon after that, the sun will begin to go down. You saw the pretty sunset. But then you can see that some of the players, coaches and parents during that time, they they begin to spray on mosquito repellent. The mosquitoes were bad. And I remember I remember those practices. I can almost smell those practices today because those practices smelled like sweaty players, grass and mosquito repellent, all mixed in the one. And, and I could bet you even today, many people have some secrets that they can share on, on ways to avoid mosquito bites. And, and I wish I knew you back then because I would get bit up. Matter of fact, I still get bit up every now and then in the office, even in the office here. But, but many people could share ways to avoid these mosquito bites. They can share repellents. Maybe they use those deep products like deep wood spray or the oil of lemon eucalyptus or etc. I'm sure there are many mosquito repellents. And so, yes, repellents have their place. And that's a literal repellent, of course. But, but speaking of people, being a repellent has its place as well. Because as people, we do want to repel some things. We want to repel or we we want to drive away negativity. Yes, we we don't want that stuff to enter into our lives. We want to be a a repellent towards fear. We want to be a repellent towards doubt. We want to be a repellent when it comes to false teachings. We don't want to receive those false teachings into our minds and hearts. Oh, yes, there's some. there's some appropriateness here to being a human repellent. Oh, yes, we do want to be a repellent and not uh, allow temptation to overtake us. When there is temptation and we're all going to face temptation. And, and by the way, the temptation itself is not the sin. Oh, it's given into the temptation. That is the sin. Because remember, Jesus was tempted, but he never fell into it. And so we want to be a repellent towards temptation. So in other words, in speaking of us as people, there's a place. There's a place in our lives where we need to be a repellent. Repel things that can harm us spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. But when it comes to driving people away from the Lord, you do not want to be a repellent. You do not want to draw people away. You don't want your name in people's mouths when when they say I would have given Jesus a try. But because of that person, because of what they said to me, because of the way they treated me. I don't want anything to do with your Jesus. So we don't want to be a repellent in that way. Or, Or when it comes to a baby Christian who wants to grow deeper in the word of God. We don't want to be a repellent in that way and discourage them. And so are we turning people off to the Lord or are we turning people on to the Lord? That's a question we all need to ask ourselves. Another way to put it is, are we a distraction to others who want to grow deeper in their fellowship with the Lord? Are we coming alongside them and, and helping them and encouraging them to have a deeper walk with God? Well, we don't want to be a distraction. And by our lifestyles, are we adorning the gospel? Are we adorning the word of God? See, in Titus chapter two, verses nine and 10, it says, exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back. And it says, not pilfering or stealing, but showing all good fidelity or faithfulness That they may adorn, that they may decorate or show the beauty of the doctrine or the teaching of God, our Savior in all things. And so by our lifestyles, are we adorning the gospel? Are we adorning the teaching of God, our Savior? I know I have to explain some things in this verse because people are probably thrown off by bond servants and masters or slaves and masters. Well, the purpose of these verses just to share with you is not to condone slavery. It's not to condone slavery, but it's acknowledging the existence of it during that time. But also sharing how Christian slaves are to be a good witness. You have to remember that the purpose of the gospel, the purpose of what we see here in the word of God, the Bible is to change people from the inside out. It's not to put a band-aid on what we see in the culture. It's not to be a band-aid on what we see socially. And socially, what was going on is slavery, of course. Oh, but if people would receive the jesus of the bible if people would just repent and put their faith in christ and the holy spirit comes within them and begins to change them from the inside out that that is the way god can get rid of slavery not by putting a band-aid on the issue and so remember the bible is about changing lives it is not behavior modification it is not about creating human laws And putting those human laws in place to get rid of certain things. No. God wants to change people from the inside out. And if we as individuals are changed from the inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit, then what takes place in our communities, what takes place in the culture, what takes place in our country is going to change. And so you have all these people with, with... Ideas, oh, this is how we're going to get rid of racism or racism, this and that racism under every rock. No, it starts with individual hearts. And so God is not condoning slavery here. And I had to touch on this, even though this is not the main point of these verses. But I know some people are going to have some questions here. But also I want to point out that the slavery in the Bible was based more on economic and military factors and not on skin color. This was not based on skin color. It was based on economic and military factors during this time. And by the way, if anybody's wondering, the Bible does say something about men stealing or kidnapping. Which we knew took place. When it came to the Africans being brought over to the United States and, and, and put in bondage. Oh, the Bible does speak about that, if anybody's wondering, if you come across someone who says, I don't want your God, I don't want your Bible because it condones slavery. Well those scriptures are there. It does speak about men stealing. But once again, this this slavery here is more based on economic and military factors. But yet and still, the Christians who were slaves, you, you see the instructions here. It says to exhort the bond servant, exhort, exhort, encourage the urge, in other words, the slaves to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not talking back, not pilfering, not stealing, but showing all good faithfulness that they may adorn once again. The doctrine or teaching of God our Savior in all things. And today, how can we apply this? How does this make sense to me, Darrell? We're we're not slaves in this building. Well, this could relate to the employer-employee relationship. So let me ask you a question. Are you being a good witness at work? Are you talking back to the manager? Are you talking back to the boss? Are you stealing stuff from work? I'm not not claiming to be uh, the perfect employee of the year or anything like that. When I was in corporate America, after my, my teaching years were over, I went to the University of Phoenix and I started there. I'm not saying I was the perfect employee all the time. But God is good. And we serve a God who was like no other. And so his people need to be unique as well. We need to be unique in the workplace. And so no matter what position we find ourselves in, we ought to be a good witness for Christ. And so the question is as the worship team takes the stage, here's the question. I'm not just talking about the workplace. I'm talking about communities, I'm talking about your school, I'm talking about in church, I'm talking about in your home, I'm talking about at family gatherings, I'm talking about at sports gatherings. The question is, overall, are we making the teaching of God look attractive? Are we adorning the teaching or the doctrine of God our Savior in all things? Are we decorating or showing how beautiful the word of God is through the way we live our lives? Or are we repellents? Are people looking at us and saying, no, I don't want to be like you. Are people looking at us and saying, I don't know what Bible you're reading, but I don't want that Bible. Or they're looking at you and say, I don't know what Jesus you're serving, but I don't want that Jesus. I don't know what prayers you're giving every morning, but please don't pray for me. I wonder if people are saying that. I wonder if if we're serving as repellents or we making the teaching of God look attractive to people where people are looking at our lives and say, I wonder what God they serve. I wonder what is in that book they read on their uh, work breaks. I, I wonder what book they're reading, that Bible they're reading, what they're reading. They're in their morning times or, 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 or during the evening with their families. I wonder what's in that book. I wonder how are they, how did they change so quickly? How did they change so drastically? You see, people should see the beauty of God's teaching when they see the way we love each other. Because Jesus says that people will know that we are his disciples by the love we have for one another. So are we adorning? Are we beautifying or making attractive the word of God by the way we love each other? Or how about the way we forgive each other? Is that, is that making the teaching of God look beautiful because we're commanded to forgive one another? And why does it make sense to forgive one another? Because God has forgiven us through Christ. So why can't we extend that forgiveness? And, and so if we're forgiving one another, oh, people could see the beauty of God's teaching. People could see the beauty of the doctrine of God. And we will not be repellents in this regard, but we will be bringing the attention to God, the attention to the word of God. Oh, when they see that we're a faithful worker or when they see how we obey our master, Jesus Christ. Oh, that makes the Word of God look, look attractive. Well, I'm looking at your life and I know you never seen what Jesus looked like, but yet and still, you're so faithful. Oh, I know that person just cursed you out and you just held your tongue. And matter of fact, the next day I saw that you didn't even treat that person any differently. You still loved on that person. What God you serve. What, what teachings are you reading? What, what teachings are in your earbuds? I, I need to hear that. I need, I need some of that. I want to imitate you because whoever you're imitating, that's a good person to imitate. Whatever master you serve, that is a good master that you're following. I wonder if we're serving in that role. That we are adorning the doctrine of God and not serving as repellents. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to walk this walk alone. Yes. Everything that, that we learn in your word, every commandment that we see. To, to do or things to not do. But we know that we're not alone, Lord. Your Holy Spirit is within us. And I just pray, Lord, that you help us to surrender what we are having a hard time surrendering on our own. Help us to surrender that, Lord, so people could see more of Jesus in us and less of us. Oh, Lord, if it's it's me that they're seeing, then it's ugly. Then it is a repellent. If If it's me that they're seeing, Lord, we want... We want people to see Jesus living in us. And Father, I'll just come in agreement with my brothers and sisters in Christ right now who are listening or who are in this room right now, Lord. And I know there's many who want to love you, Lord, with all their hearts, mind, soul and strength. And they want to love their neighbor as themselves. And they want to, Lord, be that faithful worker, that faithful employee Or if they're an an employer, they want to be faithful. They want to adorn the doctrine that belongs to you, Lord. They want to show how beautiful it is, Lord. So, Lord, I pray for, for anyone, Lord. And I have to pray this anytime that we're challenged, there may be somebody who's feeling guilty right now because maybe they haven't been living up to your standards or maybe living up to a standard that they set for themselves that you never set for them. Oh Lord, I pray that you release them from that guilt father. And may today be a day of new beginnings. And I pray for anyone Lord who has not received Jesus that Lord, you will continue to tug at their hearts and draw yes. them to your son. Yes. Yes. And may you bless and use and protect my brothers and sisters, Lord, throughout this week. Thank you. thank you, Lord, that they are here, that they came out tonight. Thank you for their prayers and thank you for your word. We love you, Lord, and praise you in Jesus' name, name. Amen. 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 You. If you need prayer, we'll be here, the front. Here, ground level, you know, if you want to recommit your life to Christ, if you need prayer about anything, if you want to give your life to Christ, we're here willing and ready to pray with you. Other than that, if you're able to stand, please stand as we sing this last song to our great God. Amen. We love you. May God bless you. May God keep you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer,